everyone. We are back with more of ESPN's Formula One podcast. I'm Alexis Nunes, and we've assembled once again quite the crew to look back on all the action from the Russian Grand Prix. I've got my usual gurus, Lawrence Edmondson and Nate Saunders, and our very special guest guru, Juan Manuel Correa, is still hanging out with us. Thank goodness for that. So, guys, not the fireworks of Monza, but things didn't really go 100%, I suppose, routine or predictable in the sense that Lewis Hamilton was the one that got a 10-second time penalty and that ruined his attempt of matching Michael Schumacher's race win re- record of 91 race wins. He still finished on the podium, though, behind Max Verstappen. And Valtteri Bottas is the one that got to top the podium with I would say a much needed win. But first of all, let's start off with you, um, Lawrence, just to get everyone up to speed on exactly what happened with Lewis, because he said he had to go back and see exactly what the rules were and what exactly he did wrong. So what did he do wrong? And we understand that there's also a bit of an update. Yeah, so it's um, it's quite an unusual situation in that it was something that occurred before the race had even started. So the drivers have uh, basically a 10 minute window from when the pit lane opens to when they need to be on the grid to do reconnaissance laps. And part of that is going through the pit lane, doing a pit lane start at the, sorry, practice start at the end of the pit lane uh, to kind of get a feel for the clutch, for the grip from the tarmac, all these things which are so important for when they do it for real at the race start. So that's a fairly normal thing for drivers to do. What Lewis decided to do is that he didn't want to go on the patch where all the other drivers have been doing their practice start because there was a lot of rubber down there and that wasn't really that representative of his pole position grid spot. So he wanted to find a spot, and he says he does this all the time. It's obviously one of his little tricks that he has. He wanted to find a spot where there wasn't so much rubber. Now, probably should have just gone a few meters beyond where the other drivers were doing it, but instead he went like right to where the pit lane joins the track and did it in a kind of section down there. Um, the stewards took a dim view of that. They believed it was dangerous and they well, fundamentally, they, they thought it was against the race director's notes. So the race director has a designated place uh, that he points out where drivers can do these practice starts. And in Russia, the note said, after the lights at the end of the pit lane, on the right. So what most people assumed is that that was immediately on the right. Mercedes tried to argue that actually doing it a long way further down on the right was also okay. Anyway, Stewards disagreed. Uh, they gave him a, a five-second penalty for two instances. He did it twice on his way to the grid. And so that amounted to a 10 second penalty, which essentially ruined any chance of going for victory uh, on Sunday. So in that, he was also uh, given two penalty points on his super license. Now, we can often gloss over the penalty points on the super license, but with Lewis, if he'd got those two points, that would have brought his total to 10. And if you hit 12 in the space of 12 months, you actually get a race ban. So there was a potential that this could have uh, kind of contributed towards something, let's say Lewis made another mistake, uh, collided with another driver in a future race, got two more penalty points, he could have had a race ban. Now, the FI have gone back and looked at it, and we've literally just got through on email uh, a clarification saying that because the team had informed Lewis to do these starts towards the end of the pit lane, uh, which wasn't entirely what we heard after the race, but clearly there was radio messages that suggested that, uh, that those penalty points would be taken away. Of course, the Time penalty still stands, the result of the race still stands, but those two penalty points which brought him a little bit close for comfort to a race ban have been taken back. He's still on eight, which is still a dangerous position, uh, but it's not quite as bad as it was immediately after the race. So incredibly controversial. Mercedes were particularly upset about it after the race. They were also upset about the fact that something that happened before the start of the race 
can result in a time penalty. They argued that, say, if you're caught speeding in the pit lane, you just get a fine. You don't end up with a, um, with, with, with a penalty if you do it before the race rather than during the race. So anyway, all of this kicked off after the race, and I'm going to hand over to the rest of you to debate whether it was a good <laughs> thing or a bad thing. I particularly want to hear JM's, JM's opinion on that. I know, that's exactly where I was going to go next. I know, Juan Manuel, it's a, it, it was a lot of controversy to digest so early in the morning for you, but just watching it all take place and, of course, everything now that's happened since the race finished, what was just your thoughts on it? Um, well, going, going back to the Lewis Hamilton incident, so um, I'm quite surprised what he did um, because, you know, it's for me, it's very obvious that's not allowed. I mean, he, he went fully outside of, of the pit lane and he was already in the side where, you know, you're already on the racetrack. There's just a white line in between you and, and where the cars are coming through. So, um, first of all, it's quite dangerous because if someone is behind you and he did a race start, he might not see you and he's coming at full speed. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm not buying what he says that he's done that before. I've never seen anyone do that before because it would result in a penalty. Um, and for his reason to do it, you know, it, everyone, you know, tries to get a different spot because we don't want the rubber up place because, yeah, that's not representative. So, you know, usually what I do is maybe I move a card length, you know, to the left or to the right, but I stay in the same area. Um, and that's usually fine. So, yeah, I, you know, it seems like the only thing that Lewis's biggest threat this year has been this, like, stupid penalties. I don't believe it's the first time he's gotten something like this. Um, and yeah, I guess he's lucky that he didn't get the penalty points. Um, I don't know, you know, they managed to, to convince the stewards of that because, uh, like Lauren said, you know, you don't want to be at 10 uh, penalty points still, you know, I don't know how many races they have, but I think it's quite a bit of race still to go. Um, because, you know, a race ban is a pretty serious thing. Nate, I mean, I, you guys both have, you know, covered this as well. And as, you know, Juan Manuel just said, it was clear as day for him to just know as a driver, you just don't really do that. So were you guys kind of taken aback, I suppose, by it too? I know, Nate, we were kind of trying to figure out what was going on behind this decision, you know, earlier on. Yeah, it, it, and as uh, Lawrence and Jam have said, I think the safety aspect of this is what's surprising. So there was a replay of, it was a rearward shot from Lewis's car. I think it was Gasly was coming out of the pit lane and the quirk of the Sochi circuit is that that pit lane exit as it comes onto the track is 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 around a curve so it's basically a blind corner as you come around so you know if Gasly had been he's not going at racing speed there but he's certainly going at a fast enough speed that if he saw Lewis there he might not have time to get out of the way or he might go into the back of him or whatever so it it was a strange one and yeah and it's interesting uh, what JM just said about you, you don't often see that usually you see them do it at a very specific place at the end of the circuit and I thought that the complaints from Mercedes were a bit strange because it it seemed like a real schoolboy error from a team that usually prides itself on getting so many things right um, but we you know we've talked about it before operationally sometimes Mercedes seem to they seem to make some weird decisions you know we had the pit lane being closed incident in Monza which is actually how Lewis got two of his two most recent penalties penalty points um which again he would argue wasn't on him it was on you know a breakdown in communication and maybe understanding but again it's those little things as jm rightly pointed out is is kind of those are the little things that have actually been really hurting him this year because that monza that monza moment obviously cost him that race as well so really bizarre and um it's it's really it's fascinating to see the fia do a u-turn and i'm fascinated to see how the other teams respond to it because you know it's very easy to look at it and say well look if that was if that was george russell or if that was you know pierre gasly or you know somebody lower down the order 
would you have removed the penalty points from them? I'm sure the FIA would say they would, but when it happens to the guy who's leading the championship and the guy that's just complained, like, hey, this rule is just here to slow me down, I think is what Lewis said afterwards, um, it starts looking like the FIA has just kind of crumbled under that pressure. So um, not handled in the best way either. I think part of the reason for that was because it was an in-race penalty, so they had to make a decision while the race was kind of getting underway. So they didn't have, obviously, Lewis to talk to because he was a bit busy at that time. And they also didn't have the team representative. So that's why often some of these penalties are put to a decision after the race so they can talk to the driver and talk to the team. Uh, so that's what the FIA would argue, or that's what they have argued in, in, in why they've changed direction on it. But, um, but I agree, it's an interesting one. And um, yeah, I mean, I, I think he was banged to rights. It was, it was something he shouldn't have done. That was kind of obvious. The, the only other defence he gave, just to give like the former Mercedes side the argument, is that in a place like uh, Brazil, he uses an example, you do do the practice starts at the where the pit lane joins the track, but that's just because of the unusual layout of the pit exit of Brazil, where it drops away almost immediately as soon as you're past the final garage. It drops away and goes downhill. So there's no way you could do a practice start on that kind of steep hill, and it would be completely unrepresentative if you did. So. Yeah, it was, um, it, was, it was a strange situation, but he's definitely never done this in previous races in Sochi, and he's been racing there since 2014. So why all of a sudden it seemed like a good idea to do it this time, I, I really don't know. And I, yeah, it, it's strange the whole team thing as well, because uh, from what I remember of the team message, uh, the radio message, uh, Hamilton said, I'm going to go to this point and do it. And then Peter Bonington said, A firm, so yeah, you know, go for it. And I, I guess that was the thing that swayed the FIA in saying that actually, you know, the team said, yes, do it, and therefore he did it, and therefore it's not the driver's fault so much as, as the team's. But, yeah, w w what a mess. And, um, it, I mean, interesting as well, I, I think Lewis, uh, although he was on a difficult strategy, which we can talk about in a bit, I think it really actually cost him a victory. And you look at the other victories he's lost, Monza was a clear one, and, you know, uh, a lot of these are coming down to silly little mistakes, which somebody of that experience, you might think maybe he, he wouldn't do. You know, it's different in every track. So, you know, Baku um, is, is another track where you have the exit of the pit lane and immediately goes left. So you cannot do the, the, the standing start right at the end of the pit lane. You have to do it after. But that all comes down to the briefing notes. So we get this briefing note that the stewards make up and it's really specific for each track because each track has different things that you have to, you know, know about. Um, so, you know, Maybe Lewis didn't read his briefing notes, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> simple, simple mistakes that can cost a lot. And, and I mean, Lawrence, I always say he kind of almost was um, foreshadowing him in his preview because it wasn't exactly the easiest weeks for Lewis, given exactly what happened as well in, in, in qualifying too. But I just want to know what you guys make of, I know I kind of got Nate's idea earlier and we would see if things had changed, you know, once the dust had settled, but Lewis, of course, had some pretty interesting comments, you know, to make afterwards, you know, uh, basically saying that he felt like there was almost like a slight vendetta against him in this or that something had to be done to slow him down because he gets it. You know, it's not exciting when he's always in front or Mercedes is always in front. So, you know, these things are, are probably done a bit more often than not trying to slow him and trying to slow them down. And I mean... Juan Manuel, Lawrence and, well, Nate and I rather were talking earlier and we know that, you know, when you're running on adrenaline and you're ticked off, as I'm sure Lewis is, you do say these things emotionally and um, probably they would have calmed down a bit later. But um, what did you, how would you, I suppose, feel if you were Lewis in this situation? Could you see where he's coming from with those comments? Um, I mean, 
I don't think I would have said the same thing. It's difficult to 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 know what you would say. And yes, the adrenaline sometimes makes you say uh, stupid things. Um, but you know, I, I think it's the price that that comes with being the best and being you know leading the championship. It's it's obvious, and, and it's not just with Lewis. You know, we get that in in the junior categories as well. If you're winning the championship, you know, if you're the man to beat, then all eyes are on you, and and that includes the steward guys. So. Um, you know, it's just one more reason why you should really be on top of everything. Um, so, you know, really at the end of the day, I think he has no one to blame but himself for, for this. If, if it was really the team miscommunicating him, then it's the team's fault. But, you know, I mean, rules are rules. And, you know, it is what it is. Maybe, you know, if uh, Gasly would have done it, the stewards wouldn't even have noticed. You know, who knows? But, uh, you know, it's Lewis, so, of course, everyone's going to be watching him. Yeah, I mean, I think Lewis is a very emotional guy, and when he gets out of the car, he tends to speak his mind a lot more freely than other drivers might. Um, but it doesn't, I don't think it comes across too well when a guy who's been winning that many races this season, you know, is on the cusp of a great record as well of Schumacher, you know, that's what we were all talking about before this race, and then yeah. makes, as we've been talking about, a very clear uh, infringement of the rules before the race. And again, whether it's his fault, whether it's the team's fault, it's kind of moot. Like that. It, it, it happened and then his, his his first response is oh it's it's because of me like they're trying to slow me down it just it you know i'm sure that if we if we spoke to him tomorrow about it he would have calmed down a bit and would give a more measured response because lewis is very much like that but you know it um it just doesn't it doesn't always sit too well with people that don't like lewis and i think comments like that are the reason why a lot of people say that he's he's not always the most gracious loser when he does lose but then i always go back with but you know a lot of the great athletes in the world very similar you know they're, they're almost they're not very good at losing they're not they don't understand how to kind of process it and a lot of the time it's an us versus their mentality that keeps people competing at that level so part of it might be that as well you know if lewis goes to nurburgring and thinks hey like the whole sport's out to get me maybe we see him you know 50 seconds up the road that just might be how he comp uh, how he deals with it you know how he how he kind of gets through it to the to the next race yeah. Oh, we do know that he's definitely going to come back fighting, that's for sure. Lawrence, what did you make of it? Or did you guys hear of any, I suppose, comments afterwards? What did Mercedes probably have to say about the whole thing? Well, I think Mercedes, in general this season, have felt like the sport is trying to peg them back a bit. And considering they've won so many races, perhaps that isn't surprising. So, you know, they often point to the change in the engine regulations as well, where, you know, they, they change the mixture of modes you can use during a race as, as an example of where it was a rule change targeted at them. Uh, the other one which Mercedes were particularly happy about was the uh, timing of the lights going off on the safety car in Mugello, which they felt was always going to make it difficult for whoever was leading the pack to control the pace. And it was done for excitement rather than for uh, safety. So there's all these little things which have been building up. And I guess maybe that's contributed to, uh, to why Lewis and Mercedes feel a little bit hard done by. But to be fair to, um, Toto, you know, he said after the race that he would agree to disagree with the stewards and that it would be left in Russia. I mean, I suppose that's quite an easy thing to say, isn't it, when you've got such a big lead in the championship. So, you know, they, they don't really need to argue it. But, um, but yeah, I think they're just going to move on. But I, I think they're also keen to make a point, uh, whether it's paranoia or not, but they are keen to make a point that if F1 and the FIA is trying to slow them down that um that they're aware of it and they're going to make it kind of a little bit public as well and play the game as well
little loss against the world. Well, um, I, suppose, I hate to make it all about Mercedes now, but we'll move on from Lewis, though, because we're making Lewis steal Valtteri's thunder in this one now. Yeah, I, this I is was going to can... say, Valtteri <laughs> the race, and we were talking about Lewis for 30 minutes. I know, Valtteri, let's show Valtteri some love, I suppose, definitely, in this one. I mean, what about, well, you say we've been talking about when Valtteri can come back from what seemed to be, obviously, a mentally tough couple of weeks and if he still had it in him and uh, I want to say it was an emotional race for him too he had some um, choice words I suppose to his quote-unquote critics at the end but you know you kind of love to see that so well how do you think he'd be feeling now after this is it more of a a relief I guess Uh, yeah I think so Um, you know being being a bit pessimistic from my side he really didn't take the race from from Lewis Lewis got a penalty um, so I'm, I'm sure he, he knows that. But uh, I must say I, I was very surprised uh, in in the start when Valtteri just sent it around the outside of Lewis and, and cut in. That was quite aggressive. I, I really liked that from him. I was not expecting that from Valtteri. And uh, I think that kind of signalizes that I guess he's you know he's tired of being the second one and, and you know he's willing to risk it a bit more even if it might mean a crash between the two of them. So I was happy when he did that. It didn't work out, but you know it takes some it takes some balls to do that actually, especially to your teammates. Um, and then you know Lewis had the, the the penalty and he took advantage of it. So overall, you know I'm, I'm happy for him. A win is a win, and um, he was obviously very happy as well. So yeah, it was good. Well, on on him being happy. So I, this is what I wanted to bring up. His his post race radio was I can't remember exactly, but he said he kind of echoed the radio message i think of australia 2019 or 18 i can't remember which one it was where he said you know message to my critics and then f you you know which he said then and i totally get why he's that excited to win because it's been so long like it was the austrian grand prix obviously is a long long time ago but i just I, i that didn't sit well with me that response to it because you know as jm kind of alluded to there like it the, the reason he won the race was that Lewis dropped out of it. Now, I think in a straight fight, we, we don't know what would have happened there. But it, it seemed like a strange radio message to me to say after that, like as if to say, like, hey, this like no, none of his critics doubt the fact that Bottas can win a race when Lewis has a bad day. Like, that's what we all say. Like, we all know that. Like that. No, none of his critics. That's what say, should happen. Yeah. That, none of his critics have so ever harsh, said. Man. Yeah. But no, I mean, but none of his critics have ever said Ouch. that. The, the the thing that the thing that JM said about the aggressive move around the outside is is what I really liked about it was we hadn't seen that from Bottas all year yeah. you know we were kind of crying out to see it yeah. and funnily enough he said the reason he said the reason that move didn't come off was because uh, the way he said was he he said a big B got in his visor yeah as he hit the braking zone so he kind of missed the braking point and that's why he didn't that's why he didn't quite make the move stick so I was happy to see that from him but again you know it, it seemed like a weird one to shout back at the critics about because. It, it wasn't him beating Lewis on the circuit. And I'm not trying to take the credit away from him winning because if you're the first guy to cross the finish line, then you deserve to win the race. But yeah, it just it just, it just seemed like a weird one. But again, maybe that comes down to where he is mentally at this point, And maybe that is kind of the sort of result he needed, I guess, to make... I don't, you know, I don't think any of us think he's going to win the championship given that points gap. But, you know, where he has been the last couple of months, it probably was quite important, but um, yeah, I I just wanted to say that because I thought it was a strange way to kind of respond to a what is it like nine races without a win, um, but each to their own, I guess. But yeah, I can see JM disagreeing with me from here, so you know, and he's no, and he's, no, the, no, no, he's the guy no, with driving experience. No, I, so no, I, I mean, <laughs> unfortunately, I I totally agree with you. I just didn't want to say it in case you know Valtteri <laughs> hears this, but 
it's, it's the truth. I mean, I, I thought the same thing. Um, you know, it's a bit harsh to say, but yeah, you, you didn't take the win from him. I mean, he had, he had an issue. And what you said was spot on. I think no one has ever doubted that Valtteri can win when Lewis has a problem. I mean, that's why they've kept him in the in the team for so long. Um, so yeah, it's you know it's kind of awkward in a way because you're like, oh, f you to my critics, but you know your teammate just had a 10 second penalty and you won the race. So, um, like I said, I think for me his highlight was just trying to send around the outside, and and that kind of that meant something to me. Yeah. Lawrence, where did you stand in it? Well, I think above all else, we were stripped of what could have been a really good battle between the two of them because. Um, if you look at the strategy, the way it was playing out, Lewis actually had a chance of, of, of winning. Talking to people at Mercedes afterwards, they reckon that um, when he moved on to the hard tyre at his early pit stop, he would have actually had more performance than uh, the guys on the medium tyres at front. The question is where he would have been in the traffic and how quickly he would have been able to get through that traffic. But that would have been a fascinating battle to watch. So we were stripped of a really good race between the two of them. And if Valtteri had come out on top of that one, um, and arguably he would have pushed harder at the front had he needed to, then, um, then he would have quite rightly been able to say F you to all his, all his critics. Um, I think a bit of that was because he has had uh, some particularly harsh criticism and he's actually been responding to it on social media. So I saw um, some posts afterwards uh, from other people that have kind of collated some of the stuff he's been dealing with and people have been saying, you should quit, you should leave F1, you know, uh, you don't deserve to be in F1 and all this kind of stuff. And he's there responding, being like, look, I, I know what I can do and I'm getting on with it. So oh, I, I, I guess in, in, in the moments after winning a race, which is an emotion, sadly, I've never experienced, uh, certainly not at Formula One level, um, I can imagine the emotions are quite high and you probably are going to respond to stuff like that if it's been, you know, at the back of your mind a little bit going into the race and, you know, and, and you have had so much criticism. So I'm, I'm going to give him a pass on that one. Um, but... Yeah, w w was it an amazing win where he did exactly what he needs to do? And we always say you can only beat the guys, you know, the situation that's put in front of you. And uh, actually, you know, if you look at Valtteri's weekend, he didn't make the mistake in qualifying. OK, Lewis was unlucky with the time of the red flag and everything else. But still, Valtteri got in a clean lap to allow him to start on the medium tyres. So it was little mistakes from Lewis's side that contributed to Valtteri's win. But at the same time, Valtteri didn't really put a foot wrong. And, and who's, who's to say that if... If Lewis hadn't had that penalty, Valtteri wouldn't have put in the race of his life, pushed incredibly hard, got the gap he needed at the front so that when he pitted, he came out ahead of, ahead of Lewis. Um, and the other interesting thing on, on that first corner, that was actually a really critical moment because before the race, uh, Mercedes had talked about what they would do in that situation because if Valtteri did get ahead of Lewis, uh, they still would have had to give Lewis the first pit stop and essentially the undercut. And they were worried about that because their team rules state that whoever is leading should get the preferable strategy. But because they were starting on these different tyres, they potentially had this, uh, this mix-up of a strategy. Now, if, if Lewis led, it was fine because he would have pitted first anyway and got the advantage of the undercut that way. So um, I think that was why it was a particularly pressured point, is that if Valtteri had got the lead there, Mercedes would have um, not necessarily engineered the race towards him, but he still would have been given every preference on the strategy which he wouldn't have got if, 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 if Lewis took or you know, retained the lead. Um, so that was an interesting little kind of nugget that came out. And that's probably why it was so important for him to get past, especially after not getting the best start off the line. And, you know, he kind of slipstreamed Lewis and then really needed to throw it around the outside. So I thought that was great to see as well. So as far as I'm concerned, this was 
one of Valtteri's uh, better performances this year. And, um, you know, if you look at everybody on the track today, OK, Max did a very good job at keeping him in touch, but I think he deserved the victory. Yeah, it's gutting that that B cost us the chance to see Bottas pass Hamilton. <laughs> That B has ruined everything. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, you know, I, I think there's a lot behind um, his emotions. You know, maybe he feels like he did a good job during the weekend. Um, you know, uh, for me personally, sometimes I'm happier, you know, finishing P3, but knowing I did a good job than winning the race, knowing I didn't deserve it. Maybe he felt like he did deserve the win. So. Um, you know, if that's the case, then then good on him. I, you know, I think he did a pretty good job throughout the weekend in practice. He was he was on it, quality. He was on it. You know, I mean, it was it was a good weekend from him. Um, yeah, another thing to talk about, uh, and I'm sure we're gonna get back to this, but obviously Verstappen, quite quite okay race. We know what he can do, but Albon, what what do you guys think of that? Oh, look at Jim doing his own rundown. Love yeah. this. I love that. <laughs> yeah. You have to be a regular now. <laughs> it's funny, isn't it? Because we went from Gasly winning and us talking about, oh, Gasly's the guy, and then Albon getting his podium. We're like, oh, maybe, you know, maybe Albon's back. And now this race is Our actually, bold predictions. <laughs> yeah. So my, yeah. yeah. Uh, and it it is interesting because this was a really, so Christian Horner said that the Sochi circuit really kind of highlighted some of the struggles that Albon's had with the car. But um, you're absolutely right. I think this 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 was this felt more like one of the races we had before Albon got on the podium. He was so it wasn't even off the pace of Max. I mean, he was fighting Gasly again. And whenever you see the Red Bull fighting yeah. the Alpha Tauri on merit, you think, well, something something big has gone wrong there. You know, Monza was yeah. obviously a, a different situation. But when they're fighting together in a normal race, you think, well, something's gone wrong, uh, big time. So um, it's really strange because I thought I I was hoping like, hey, Albon's got that podium now. You know, we were talking about it, weren't we, earlier this week? Like yep. maybe yeah. that's just all he needed to. You know, maybe maybe something changes in his head, and yeah, I don't know. It just seems it just seemed like it got away from him again in a big way. It wasn't a good performance by Albon. There's absolutely zero. You know, <laughs> there's no doubt about that. It, it wasn't great, and it really started in qualifying, uh, qualifying tenth in the Red Bull uh, on a weekend when your teammates split in the Mercedes uh, isn't good enough. It just simply isn't. Uh, up to that point, weirdly, up until qualifying, it actually looked like Red Bull had fallen into the midfield pack, and therefore you can maybe give Albon, you know, a bit of a buy for it. But yeah, when you look at the, the final gap in Q3, it was it was pretty bad. He then had a five place grid penalty because of a gearbox change, which was out of his hands. And then went on to a kind of dubious strategy. He's one of the drivers who pitted early onto the hard tires, along with uh, Norris and Russell. He then went onto the mediums later on because it wasn't really working out and it was clear that he wasn't going to be able to make the end of the race, which is what we saw with Norris as well. So we've seen this a lot with Albon. Red Bull will take a, you know, he'll qualify badly. They'll take a slightly alternative strategy in the hope that it will allow him to fight back and it doesn't quite pay off. But he wouldn't be in that position of having to take those weird strategies if it wasn't for the bad qualifying in the first place. So that's the problem he faces. Um, and uh, yeah, it's just it's this ongoing problem that, the Red Bull is a very edgy car. You can see that. You can see that throughout practice as well. You know, Max was having some moments in it. Um, and uh, But it is fast. You know, it's fast in Max's hands. So Red Bull are in this position. I was talking to Christian Horner about this uh, in the Mugello race, uh, that they can develop the car and it can be edgy and Max can get the most out of it and he can go and challenge the Mercedes. But in doing that, they're almost harming Albon because he's less and less comfortable with this car that's increasingly on the limit. And they are trying to make it a more drivable car, but 
if the performance, you know, if the data shows that, well, in Max's hands, you know, it can go and challenge the Mercedes, they're going to stick with something that's, uh, that, that's on an IFEG and is clearly on the nose and is struggling for rear balance, which Albon really hates. So, yeah, he's in this position where it's, I can't really see this situation getting better, but I guess Sochi being a track with a lot of off-camber corners and stuff like that, it really didn't suit uh, Albon's, Albon's troubles with the car. But um, a shame because, uh, yeah, I was really hoping that the Mugello podium would get him going again, but yeah, it seems like yeah. he's back to square one. Yeah, you, you know, Sochi, Sochi is definitely a track where you don't want to be missing rear, rear grip. It's scary. I mean, there's, there's really close walls. In some places, it feels kind of like a street circuit. Um, and like Lauren said, there's a lot of off-camber, really like kind of long corners that go, you know, have like corners where you're breaking into it, et cetera. And if, if your car is moving in the rear, you're not going to have a good time, especially if you don't feel confident with, with it. Um, yeah, and I think, you know, we, we know that uh, Red Bull's car is designed, you know, for Max and he has shown that, that he's the only one that can really drive it to, to the limit. You know, I think Gasly had exactly the same problem Albon is having right now. Um, but, you know, it, it comes down to, you know, is Red Bull going to keep that philosophy and keep on sacrificing their second driver, you know, or, or are they going to fully change it and, and make a car that everyone can drive, you know? Because that's not, you know, I, I don't think any other team has that, that issue, you know. You don't see in Mercedes uh, an undrivable car where Valtteri is fully off the pace, you know. He, he is up there most of the time. Uh, you know, same with McLaren, same with all the other teams. So. It's quite interesting what they will do, and you know what what happens when when Max leaves. You know, are, are they going to have a car that no one can drive? That you know, that's things that I guess they're going to have to think about. Perfect. Well, shall we move on then? <laughs> and um, I know Lawrence has a, a very strong opinion on what we're going to talk about next. I suppose we'll go there because um, yet again, in the very first lap, we saw a nice little incident that called for the safety car, and and Lawrence, uh, we saw Carlos signs, of course. Oh. Um, in an unfortunate incident. Um, <laughs> yeah. I feel, do you know what? I almost want to go to Lars, but let me go to Juan Manuel first, since that clearly <laughs> perked him up as well. What did you think of it, Juan Manuel? Was it a bit um, living dangerously? <laughs> that was that was what I call a facepalm moment. Um, like, I mean, I, I don't know what, what, you know. I, I don't know what he was thinking. To, like, <laughs> It was so weird. It was so weird. Like, yeah, I, I don't know. You you just don't see that, you know. Uh, he just fully misjudged it. Uh, I, maybe, you know, it was the track was a bit green in that area because, you know, it's not the track. Um, and, yeah, it was it was, it was was quite embarrassing, you know. It was, it was just a really stupid mistake. But, uh, and it was, a, it was a hard hit. I'm, I'm glad he's okay because it could have went uh, much worse, especially if he would have bounced back onto the track and someone would have hit them there. It could have been bad, but... Uh, yeah, really, really stupid mistake by, by Carlos, but you know, it, it happens sometimes. It was a very nasty crunch, Lawrence. So yeah. what did you think of it? Well, I, I just feel like if we're talking about giving out penalty points for things which are dangerous, you know, that's... Oh, here, here, we go. Go. That's, here we go, here we go. top Set of the list off. today because, um, you know, that chicane there, which is designed so that you don't get an advantage by cutting turn two, uh, is, is kind of a safety measure as well. It's to make sure that when the cars filter back in, they're in a position um, that, uh, that isn't going to kind of disrupt too much the racing line of everyone else. And so, you know, to try and attack it at that angle and at that speed as well, you know, he was going fast regardless, but because he was coming in from quite an unusual angle, he hadn't kind of gone fully wide. He was kind of in this middle area 
uh, just the trajectory of the car meant that uh, you know he smashed into the barrier. But I, I just thought it was it was very dangerous, and I think that's the kind of thing where you know penalty points should be given because uh, yeah, I agree. Like the the way that car hit the barrier and the force it hit the barrier, there wasn't really any control over where it went next, and there was a pack of cars coming through, and I don't think that was. You know, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe if I look back at the replays, I'll change my mind. But I don't think that was anybody's fault other than Carlos Sainz's. So that would be an example for me where, you know, two penalty points, three penalty points is justified. Um, and maybe, you know, it's something for, for the next race. And I'm, I'm sure if it had caused an accident with other drivers involved and other drivers had, you know, been taken out of the race as well, as well then we probably would be looking at uh, more of an investigation. But as far as I could see, no, no, nothing came of it. Now, of course, he took himself out of the race, which is, you know, obviously... Pretty big penalty, <laughs> but I just I just think it it kind of it was very dangerous and it was you know it's a situation that all the drivers were made aware of that you needed to go and rejoin safely through this kind of little chicane thing and it's not it's not new we've seen it a lot now that they're being more strict on track limits so um, yeah I, I I was just very surprised especially with someone like Science who's you know usually pretty level headed and uh, is very experienced you know I was very surprised that. Uh, that he made that error, but I guess maybe that's just the nature of a race start. You know, that's where that's where JM's experience is so much better than mine because I've never sat on a you know on a grid in a Formula One car or a Formula Two car and and raced down to the first corner at those speeds. So you know, maybe it's a lot easier to judge from the uh, from the office than uh, from in the car. But to me, it just looked like such a blatant and dangerous error that uh, that maybe something should have been done as a result. Yeah, I I think you know there's there's definitely a lot of adrenaline obviously in that moment and you know if you go wide you know you're kind of losing time so you get a bit like exasperated and you want to do it as quick as possible uh but you know it, it yeah definitely like you said it, it surprises me that it's someone like science who you know he's been known to be really like controlled this season and you know he's consistent um so you know i think he just it was just a stupid mistake i don't agree with you about the penalty actually um you know I think I, maybe there's something for the stewards to review, you know, to, why would they put the chicane there? You know, they're putting it, first of all, so that they're making the wall a corner. So that's dangerous in itself. Um, maybe, you know, they could do a chicane before just with some cones, kind of like Monza style, um, and then do the exit road out there. I don't know. Um, yeah, I think it's a matter of opinion. It, it was dangerous, but maybe they, they will change something for next year. And and I think, to be honest, I think he, he got enough penalty just with the embarrassment of, of crashing there and, you know, obviously not finishing the race that, that must not have been nice for him. So, I feel like at Sochi that, that turn is always kind of a talking point. There's always something that goes on. They're always talking about the safest way to come in. I just wanted to point something out that I said to Lawrence when it happened. We were sat socially distanced uh, in our office watching the race. So since the Monza podium, there's been a, there's been a bit of a Monza curse on the three guys that finished there. All of them crashed out of the race last week and later on in the first lap Lance Stroll was spun out by Leclerc so Gasly finishing ninth was it's the first time any of the guys that finished on the, the podium in Monza have scored a point so which I, I just thought given how good a result that was and how good all three of those guys did at that race it's kind of crazy they've been involved in such a big incident since so maybe Gasly yeah. broke that I mean people on Reddit were talking about this curse and everything like that but um but yeah and science since that race has obviously been involved in two massive incidents because he was in the Mugello yeah. pileup. So, um, yeah. yeah, obviously super, super glad that he's okay, but he's really lucky to have got away with both those incidents without something big happening because both of them really could have been a lot worse than they turned out. So, um, so that's, that's, that's obviously 
the main positive to take from it. Yes, indeed. Well, I suppose um, that seems to be the, the highlights of Sochi. And I know earlier this week, um, Lawrence, you missed that. Um, Nate and JM were talking about just how exciting and wonderful of a place Sochi is and how if, you know, he could race in one place for the rest of his career, it would be Sochi. <laughs> I'm kidding. They actually were saying that. Both of them said that they probably wouldn't be that bothered if they didn't have to go back there, to be fair. But overall, guys, just thoughts of, I suppose, the, the race weekend. Because like I said, it didn't throw up the fireworks that we wanted, but we understand that we can't get those fireworks of Monza every weekend. But um, at least... You know, at least it wasn't as predictable as we thought it might end up being, right? Yeah, I suppose, but only because of a penalty and, you know, <laughs> Lewis having some issues in qualifying and stuff. But there's just something about the Sochi race that I just can't ever get excited about. And yeah, what is it? There's no, when you look back, you know, there's not a huge amount of moments that when you think of the Russian Grand Prix, you think, oh, yeah, do you remember when that happened? Like, I remember Grosjean losing it through the, the kind of horseshoe corner, you know, mm. a couple of years ago. But when when your when your main memory of a circuit is somebody crashing out, it's never a good indication of you know it, oh, it wasn't a great race between these two guys here. I remember Rosberg locking up in 2014, having to pit on the first lap and then basically going the whole race on one set of tires. And tires and degrada degradation and strategy at Sochi have always seemed to be pretty limited. Like it doesn't seem to throw up the opportunity for drivers to you know unless they're starting on different tires like we have with Lewis and Mac versus Max and Bottas there's not really that much variation. And we've seen this year, especially, that when there's a surefire one-stop race, it's not going to be a good race. And Sochi seems to be kind of the, the poster boy for the, the like the boring one-stop race, in my opinion. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I agree. I, I don't think it makes for particularly interesting racing. Um, most of it that's, you know, entertaining in a way, I guess, is the crashes. And it, it's an easy track to, to crash, at, you know, because of, the shape is kind of weird, all the, the walls are close together, but um, I'm also judging it because obviously I saw the, the F2 races and there it was a bit the same, you know, not a lot of real action happening, but a bit of incidents here and there and that kind of made it interesting. Um, but yeah, I, I'm still, I still wouldn't be bothered if, if I never went back to Sochi. Um, I don't know if it's going to be in next year's calendar, hopefully not, but it probably will be. <laughs> <laughs> probably. Lawrence, are you running to Sochi anytime soon? Um, well, uh, certainly not for a year. Um, I think part of the problem is when you try and retrofit a race circuit to an Olympic park, and that's what you're given to, to, to deal with. It, it's not ideal. It's not like Kota, where they moved a huge amount of land around, you know, on the outskirts of Austin, and they had a big, nice undulating area to play with. And with Sochi, it was always, well, you've just got to move, you know, put this track around uh, the existing buildings and stuff. And it was never really going to make for a great circuit, I don't think. And then, like, what you know, one of those outcomes is that you have this weird turn two, which is actually more like turn one because turn one itself is just a kink. But you have this weird corner where, you know, you have this runoff area and they don't really know what to do with it. So they put in this little chicane thing, you know, for rejoining and all that kind of stuff. So it just feels like it's, you know, it's a race circuit that's been added to an area that wasn't really ever going to make for a great racing circuit. So, um, yeah, I, I, it's, it's one of those weird races that I think everyone's uh, quite happy to, to move on from. Usually we're then treated to Suzuka the week after, uh, which is, you know, kind of a nice, uh, you know, a, a nice change of pace to go to a proper flowing racetrack that um, the drivers love and we love to watch trackside. But um, sadly, we don't have that this year. But yeah, as far as I know, I think Sochi's around for a little while longer so um yeah 
I, I, I guess in, in, in the grand scheme of uh, Russian Grand Prix, this one wasn't the worst. But um, yeah, it, I don't think it's going to stick in anyone's memory for, for a long time, apart from maybe Valtteri's, because uh, obviously he was, he was a bit chuffed with it. Yeah. Not after he hears this podcast, that's for yeah, sure. Yeah, no, I mean, Jesus, I, I hope I never meet that guy if he hears this. Um, just, and, just, and, just point him, just point him, just point him my way, JM, and just say like, "Look, Jesus, yeah. Nate's the worst." A disclaimer, like Valtteri, if you're listening to this, I mean, they they made me do it. They put me in that position, man. I, I would we never put... tell you like that. Um, we no, but, forced but him going to back, do it. Wait, go, going back to Sochi being a, a, a whole, um Actually, Callum was texting me and I don't know if you follow Callum on his social media but he was posting pictures of the food that they give him in, in the cafeteria and you know it, I mean it's terrible like he 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 put a post I think it was yesterday after he did the podium in, in race one and uh, he said uh, podium uh, podium meal yummy and it was like this piece of meat that looked like cardboard in, in like a, a, you know it was it was bad so if you have a chance, go check that out so you know what I'm talking about because uh, that's Sochi in a, in a nutshell for you. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, don't get me started on Sochi food because um, the first no, year we no, went no. there, it was absolutely awful. And not only was the food terrible, um, you couldn't get served anywhere. So you go to a restaurant. We sat down in this restaurant uh, in the hotel we were staying at, and it was an Italian themed restaurant. And uh, they come with a menu, and uh, there's pizzas there. So we're like, yeah, we'll have a pizza. Oh, no, sorry, we, we've run out of pizza. It's like, oh, okay, well, it's an Italian restaurant, so maybe some pasta. No, sorry, we've run out of pasta. And I can't remember what we ended up with, but whatever it was, it took about four hours to get. So I think they went down to the local supermarket, stocked up and came back. But um, yeah, there's many a story of Sochi like that. I think it actually improved a little bit after the World Cup went through there uh, in, in, in overall standards. I, I went back last year and it wasn't quite as bad as I remembered, but the first few years in Sochi were very bleak. Cool. Well, I suppose it's time to just wrap this um, edition of the podcast as quickly as everybody was clamoring out to leave Sochi. But uh, before we go, I mean, Juan Manuel, thank you so much, of course, for joining us. You're part of this family now. So if you ever want to come and, and um, judge and critique Valtteri Bottas again, you are more than welcome. <laughs> but before um, we do let you go, though, you actually have um, some news because you've got like you've got surgery coming up tomorrow, don't? Yeah. Yeah. Tomorrow morning. Yeah. So it's just for, for the right leg. They're taking still more medals out um, from, from the leg. So I'm, I'm really looking forward to it. I'm super excited. It's going to be a pretty simple, I think, surgery, just like three or four hours. Uh, and it's outpatient. So, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm really happy. <laughs> Brilliant. I mean, these last two episodes have been great to have you um, for sure. So all the best for the surgery. We have no idea that you'll be coming back um, with a vengeance. And hopefully you do come back on for some more Valtteri Bottas chat and some Alex Albon chat and some everything chat and, you know, anything that's not Sochi. But of course, thanks to all of our listeners and our viewers that have been tuning in over the last two episodes too. Thanks to Nate and Lawrence as well. They're going to be grafting away for the rest of the night, getting some amazing pieces out on our website. So make sure to check on to those. But for now, it's bye from us. 